0: Welcome to Conversations with Pussy. This is a podcast which holds liberating and empowering conversations about sexuality, pleasure, and healing. We're focused on supporting all vagina owners to feel free and excited about having a loving and soulful relationship with their pussy. I'm your host, Grace Hazel. Well, thank you for joining this episode of Conversations with Pussy. In this episode, I get to talk to Robert Gray. And Robert Gray is a psychic and healer, and also Robert is my friend. In this conversation, we get to dive into some really juicy stuff, particularly this one was super healing and also emotionally evocative as we explored looking at existing outside the binary of heteronormative and cis-normative expectation. More specifically, we chatted about Robert's early experiences growing up, identifying as gay in Tasmania. And just to let you know, in Tasmania, it was illegal to be gay before 1996. We also drop into exploring outside the lines of gender, and we'll be looking through Robert's gaze, Robert's lens of what it means to be queer. Essentially, the whole conversation is a glorious array of open-hearted and minded conversation. And the last thing to say is, within this podcast, I asked Robert the question, what are your pronouns? And Robert answers, he, him, or she, her. And this is just to note that we recorded this podcast some months ago and I'm really excited to say that as Robert has got in touch with themselves even deeper that now Robert's pronouns are they/them. So celebrating Robert in every step of their journey and for you I hope that you can make a cuppa and get yourself cozy and just Bask in the glory that this human being is. Hello, hello, Robert Gray. Wow, wow, wow. Hello,
1: hello, hello.
0: It's such a pleasure to have you here on Conversations with Pussy. And what I want to do for a second for the listeners is just to say the really special way that we just entered this recording and uh I'm in Ibiza right now and Robert is in London and Robert just suggested that we drop in before we started recording. So he got his um Tibetan singing bowl out and we just both had a couple of breaths together and I really felt the difference of actually setting up some form of sacred space to record this podcast. In comparison to just whacking right in and being like hey how are you this is how it's going to go actually really dropping in and and calling in guides and um an intention felt so special so thank you for offering that practice up Robert and yeah thank you for being here and for for offering your words for the next let's say 45 minutes ish of conversations with pussy
1: and thank you right back. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for holding this space. It's, I, you know, even just doing exactly that little exercise. I feel how powerful this is to, to be doing with you. So thank you. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's begin with allowing everyone to get to know you a bit better. Who are we talking to? So we know it's Robert Great, but Robert, I would love to ask you what are your pronouns and also what is it that you do?
1: Two beautiful questions. Um, my pronouns, he, him, uh, is what is what are on my um, bios and these kinds of things, and I'm very comfortable with that. But it's worth saying that also there's a whole section of my life to whom I'm she, her, and this has been a really interesting journey. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I, and that's been for several years. And, um, you know, I would also want to acknowledge that I pass as a cis white man, so I have a lot of privilege in that space. But he, him is totally fine. This is this is my happy place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what do I do? Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> we've known each other for a few years. I'm a psychic healer in essence. I'm a, I'm a Reiki master teacher, um, a meditator, <laughs> and very human. But I think, you know, healing and being a healer is what I'm about.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'd like to say that I... Good grief. How long have we known each other for? It feels like a long while.
1: It feel like a long while. Is it six years? Five?
0: It's been around a long love affair of yes. knowing one another and being in each other's field. But um, it wasn't until really, I'd say a couple of years ago when we were both together in Bali that we properly got to connect and get to know one another. I think I was just crushing on you from afar for all of those years up until the point that we finally got to really drop in and chat in Bali. And what I want to say about you is that I've come to see you... Well, I, I've, I've been a friend of yours and still am a friend of yours. We've not transitioned out of that phase, thankfully. <laughs> <I believe. laughs> but also I've come to see you um, as a client. So um, you've offered up your incredible services with Reiki. And I want to say that I've had a lot of Reiki in my, in my life and you do something very, very, very different in your sessions that feels too... The be way beyond the lines of something that perhaps can be described as Reiki healing. So I wonder if you could just say a little bit about what it is that you tend to do with clients, who it is that you work with. Yeah. Um, what What's your day-to-day, essentially?
1: Day-to-day. I mean, that's really interesting. And it's, it's interesting to just talk nomenclature around Reiki healing and psychic healing, and I think I've moved much more towards psychic healing and Reiki being a huge part of that and definitely still the ship I sail in on, but there's a lot of work that now goes on on very different levels around calibration and clearing and grounding and karmic release that I now find myself working with much more regularly. And it's also, I have my own shamanic experiences in terms of healing and certainly a bit of study and some of those shamanic practices. also come into that work as well so clients i do psychic readings as well so i work with a tarot i work with oracle um, so i do readings which are usually really beautiful all of it centered around healing so even the readings themselves are conversations for healing and then the longer sessions that i do uh by distance or in person when we can um are, are just so delightful and deep and powerful does that that answers the question
0: <laughs> that absolutely answers the question we have painted the picture of um of who you are and um i keep getting this little inkling to come back because i think the internet connection dropped slightly when you said this and actually i really want to um nail this in a little for the mm-hmm. listeners because um you were the first person that's come into the conversations with Pussy series to space and said I identify as he him yet sometimes I shift out of that and am she her. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do is just take a, a hot minute just to acknowledge that piece before I before mm-hmm. we swing around or people will be like why he say because the internet dropped out you know okay. and so I just mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that piece. So to open up again this um, a conversation around the fluidity of gender. So what does that look like for you? Because day to day, you're Robert, you're he, him. But sometimes yeah. it becomes she, her. What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a queer man um, and a gay man. So I, I, the she, her really came out of friendship circles, queer friendship circles. And it would you know, how is she? What's she doing? What's she about? What's annoying her? These kinds of things, mostly as very lyrical Um, lyrical uses of it but it's but it's I also do I've done drag across the years as well and there's a whole side of me there (laughs) that is something really powerful and very feminine and um, and yeah it's kind of but I'm again I just want to acknowledge my privilege I present as a white cis man and I can pass as that queer yes but white cis and male so I know my privilege here and I'm so happy to be he, him when it's comfortable and when it makes sense and I'm so happy to be she, her when it's comfortable and makes sense. Does that help?
0: that absolutely it paints it really well and uh i want to speak to actually something that i saw in you uh on halloween on halloween when and i believe and forgive me if i'm wrong you transitioned into she her and what i witnessed there was you really coming into the archetype of the witch There felt like you were really embodying that witch archetype within she her and i i really want to just take that moment to acknowledge that, but it was just like internally, I was having so much celebration for the ways in which us human beings can come inside of ourselves and find different beings and different archetypes of us. And the way that you expressed that was just so powerful to witness.
1: Thank you, I really appreciate that. And it's worth saying that Samhain for me was work. You know, I, yes, I was costumed, but I was embodying, and it was dark feminine and it was really powerful. And it was shadow work, I was doing shadow work on, on All Hallows Eve. So this had a lot of power for me as well. And it was there was a reclamation, there was uh, integration going on, and has gone on for the weeks that have followed as well. So it, yeah, it's a really powerful presence that I am so honoured to, to, to be able to access. And I've worked hard for, let's be fair. <laughs>
0: And we'll we'll move into that soon around Mm. that that, that sense of working hard for it, working hard for your queerness and for the freedom to be able to express yourself in whichever manner that may be and how it shows up for you in any given moment. But first of all, first things first, Robert, since this is Conversations with Pussy, please tell me the name or the name that you call your genitals.
1: This is so funny because obviously there's quite, you said these little outline of questions beforehand and I just, I never really thought about it. But my answer is pretty uh, like basic, if I'm honest. It's, if it's in a, a sexual adult context, it's like dick, cock, right? And if it's in like a lyrical storytelling, it's always doodle. Cause I just find the word like really hilarious. Like, yeah, exactly. It's just like doodle. <laughs> it's a really good one.
0: I love the word doodle, and is there so you say that that's in this this lyrical way? If you're playing around, where does doodle stem
1: from? I don't know. It's like you know, in French it's zizi, English is doodle. Other languages have got like these little like bulbul bul in I think Turkish, like these kind of like little cute names for for. And I think you know, it, it's probably around when you when parents were speaking to kids, and it's like you know. I don't know. I actually don't know, but I just know doodle. I find hilarious.
0: (laughs) I love that, and actually, you're right because we do have those little childhood cutesy names. I think for for folks with vaginas, sometimes it can be like our Mimi or our Nunu, and. I actually, as we were just talking about the archetypes and like being able to uh, embody pieces of what we feel within us. I love that for some moments, your genitals become your dick, your cock, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm imagining there's a sense of power in that. There's a sense of sexuality behind that when you go for that. But Doodle's more playful so that you can almost embody the archetype of perhaps your little boy a little bit or something else to go, oh, now I'm with Doodle.
1: Babes, I mean, when I'm like annoying partners, lovers, friends, shaking it around, like it's doodle. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like coming, like a little like kid coming out of the bath, just being like. Aah! Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know you can't really, you can't really shake your, your cock around like a doodle, can you? Cock stays exactly. in the, in the strong zone. Exactly fantastic so let's um let's talk about doodle cock dick as a whole and you and your your journey um particularly with your genitals but really we're talking about sexuality here uh what is the biggest thing that you and your genitals have been through
1: Mm, really interesting deeply interesting question um well uh, look here's one when i was seven, I was on a bike and there was, I was just around the yard and there was a particularly steep hill followed by a sharp turn or you'd hit a wall. And I missed the turn one time. And just before I hit the wall, I pushed myself back off the bike. And so all my genitals smashed into the seat and the pole. I blacked out. I was bleeding from my scrotum. I had a really bruised dick. Like I remember sitting in the bath and watching the blood seep out of my genitals and, um, and, you know, deep in the bath and poor mum at that time was like trying not to laugh or cry from the pain and comedy of it so that's certainly one thing that I remember from a physical perspective but also about the same age I was experiencing sexual contact with someone who was older than me and who I trusted and loved and this went on for quite some time and I think that has really been a defining experience of my life and I, I also grew up queer in a homophobic and very religious context um, in in regional Tasmania, like where it was still illegal to to be homosexual until about not, until 1996, it was still in legislation. So it was a very volatile environment to grow up in like that. But I think the you know my young sexual experiences uh, really defined so much of my life. It led me through really dark places. It, it, it led me to real soul searching. It also led to great isolation and great questioning of who I was and where I belong and if I belong and if I, and if I have a right to exist. And all of this was going on in a very, very young body and a young mind. Even to, even sometimes silly things, like I had my first orgasm, or I remember my first orgasm when I was around seven and didn't know what it was, right? And even that, it, like not being able or being safe enough to share any of that and growing up with that really taught me so much that I now understand and embody. So it was, it's been a real soul journey. And of course it continues. But it's, you know, I just also want to say for listeners, I'm speaking from a very safe place after having done a lot of work and healing for myself now. So I can share this. And in some ways I wish that there had been a voice um, that I could relate to that, that could share, could have shared this when I was growing up. So this is why, this is, yeah, I guess that's some of the most difficult stuff that me and my genitals have been through <laughs>
0: Thank you Robert, thank you so much for bringing this into the conversation and as you were describing your experiences from when you were very young and, and yes there was that, that slamming moment with the, with the bicycle, but also you went on to, to talk about the experiences you were having very young which were sexual. Mm. were perhaps not in the context of appropriate being appropriate for you at that time and um then also the experience of growing up in Tasmania um and just say again because I really want that to land for listeners that um w- when did the the law came the law lift that homosexuality was illegal
1: 1996 <laughs> Yeah, and they only recently repealed the convictions from that time as well. So it's been a really long journey. And if you think about how communities and social structures follow legislation, it's been a really, it's still a really long journey there. And this is part of why I am where I am now. You know, I'm in a metropolitan international city centre. Like so many queer folk, right? We come here because there's there's an element of safety and community.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And... As you were speaking about those moments, I was really thinking into a lot of the work that that most folks who are supporting sexual healing work do, which is um, really going back into the experiences that we had at a young age which formulated moments for us around sexuality so we're talking here about the conditioning here then specifically that would relate to growing up in a homophobic uh country let's say as a queer man or a queer boy and then also um all of the intricacies that come within that so what i'm hearing for you now is that you've really integrated that you've really you're you're talking from that safe space of like i've gone back there and i've worked Mm. with those pieces so now you can come here and you can speak openly on conversations with pussy but i know that you will you do and you will speak about that openly anyway so Mm. thank you for bringing those pieces
1: thank you thank you for thank you for allowing the space Thank you for hearing them
0: I'd love to talk more about queerness and um, first of all to say actually for listeners that they may have heard the word queer mm-hmm. they may have um, used the word queer but actually let's define it for you what does being queer mean for you?
1: Such a good question and actually it's a question I get posed sometimes myself as well you know do I identify how do I identify is it queer is it gay? For me, I am a gay man, and I'm also queer, and queer for me really encompasses this sense of otherness and outsideness, and particularly now that we have the, the language for it more readily in the, in you know, social vernacular, non-binary, right? So this queerness, this existing outside of a linear polarized spectrum that we're often taught or are, or it certainly exists within structures and social norms so I, yeah so I'm gay but I'm also queer mm-hmm. and I identify as queer and and I think if you asked another queer person you will get a different answer and I think that's part of the beauty of it mm-hmm. right so I hope that help that helps muddy the waters completely. <laughs>
0: Well, it's your definition right and I love how you you say if you asked another person who identifies as queer then they would also have a different uh, description of that yeah. and when we think about queerness and we think about your work can you tell me how queerness and your healing work what's been your journey with that
1: wow I mean the two are inextricable for me really naturally because that's what I am you know <laughs> this is the work that I've done I mean I'm All of it. So how has it impacted? I think, and this is something that is even still dawning, these these illuminations are still coming for me around how I learned to exist outside of binaries and outside of doctrines and outside of structures and systems, whether they were religious, social, uh, heteronormative, it doesn't matter, but how I learned to exist Outside of them and find value and purpose and presence there. And it wasn't an easy win. And it took a and it has taken a lot of work and searching. But I think, and certainly my experience around sexual abuse as a child, this really, you know, there was so much isolation there that I had to do a lot of deconstructing on my own. And I mean, if you've ever tried to deconstruct a religion, try doing it as a seven year old. <laughs> I mean, in fact, some ways I got it easier and more right than when you get too complex. But, you know, this taught me that there are, you know, that it's not either this or that, that it's this and that, and this bit over there, and that's true, right? All of it can be true, and it doesn't diminish your experience. It enriches it. And so this is certainly something that I see and and feel in the work that I do. And so much of, you know, clients that I work with or even, you know, having conversations like this, that to expand, to be able to expand awareness out beyond what we think of as sometimes a very powerful and important structure. And, I mean, perhaps we open a conversation here and with you around, you know, the the teachings within... Tantra or healing around divine masculine, divine feminine, finding balance, finding, uh, you know, expression of these things. And I've always found this very interesting because they're so true and powerful. And yet I exist outside of them and within them. And this is very interesting. It's given me a perspective of the other and it's given me great empathy. And it's I think with a lot of hard work and a lot of knockdowns and a lot of mistakes, it's given me great wisdom, Mm -hmm. humble wisdom, wisdom of really, you know, and I think wisdom so much of that is making so many mistakes. So if anybody thinks I'm wise, it's because I have, can we swear on here?
0: All the time. If every other Uh, word was a swear word, I'd be into it.
1: Right. If, If I'm at all wise, it's because I have fucked up so much. Like, across my life, I have made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, right? And this has taught me. And I think there's so much of me in this work now that wants to give people the fast track. Like, honey, you don't need to make all the mistakes. Let me give you, here's the thread, follow through. You, can, you don't have to do the or go to the places that I've been and the things that I've done, yeah. So that's kind of how it gives me a sense of otherness.
0: I'm really excited by what you said about... Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this. And I'm really like, there's an edge for me here because I'm like, shite, how is this, how will this go? But it feels Mm -hmm. like something that I've been sat on the edge of witnessing. And um, as a cis white woman... I would say that mostly I've been able to waltz on into tantric spaces um, of uh, real real like cis, hetero spaces. And I'm cool. Like, you know, I don't feel like the other. I don't feel like, well, where do I belong in this? Where do I land in this? And um, I really want to actually open up this conversation because it's something that's really been kind of getting to me um, in a way of like this um the spiritual terminology mm-hmm. we can talk about that in a really blanket cover and say okay well just spiritual terminology but i i kind of want to go into the intricacy of looking that in in tantra mm-hmm. and how um perhaps the languaging mm-hmm. is very non-inclusive for folks who do exist outside of the binary yeah can you does anything pop up for you in that? Because The fan's out, the fan's out, the feathered fan is out. Please.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really great conversation and I don't have all the answers, but I do have my own experience of it. And yeah, I can say that I, in those spaces, I don't feel perhaps safe or identified, right? That I don't feel that there's the vocabulary Or necessarily the understanding within those within groups that I've experienced to encompass what I'm about, and that's a really interesting thing. And I think there is so much power. And I speak myself around divine masculine traits and divine feminine traits, and the great mother and the great father, and these kinds of archetypes. But but this, yeah, this perhaps there is a language shift that needs to happen. Perhaps there is, and I think there's. I think even through these conversations and people like yourself and myself, that these things are changing, that there is an awareness and awakening. And I think this is also true around pronouns. Look at how, look at how wonderfully powerful and quickly they have permeated, right? Language and, and social media and these kinds of things This is powerful. This is also part, you know, it's he, him for me on my profile. But I'll be honest, I'm still sitting with, can I, should I, need I put she, her as well? And that, see, I'm still, I'm still moving through some of this stuff. So it's, it's a constant, um, I think, presence within that question, within each of those experiences that will garner the wisdom because the wisdom's there. You know this. Spirit moves in wondrous ways, right?
0: I totally, I, I feel you, and I, I really want to just take that moment and the, and and what you said and articulated around the languaging. And I've been through a whirlwind of what the fucking hell am I meant to say? Can I say so that I don't completely exclude a huge group of folks who actually I don't want to exclude now you've been just the most incredible friend to me because you've been there for me and I want to say this to the listeners because holy shite have I fucked up so here you go I'm, I'm giving you the permission for the swearing because there, there was a few bangers there <sighs> oh, on series one of conversations with pussy like I stand fully behind my words in conversations with pussy one I stand fully behind all of the words and all of the things that I have hopped on about, explained, taught... To this point now, but I have said wild things within my languaging, which have been very excluding for a lot of people. I'm trying to just give an example, find an example of that. Ah, here's one. And this was the one that I reached out to you, and I was like, Robert, I'm getting a lot of stick for saying this. What do I do? And um, I think it was that I wrote uh, when I was first advertising The Awakening. Uh, the cervix is a source of all women's power. <laughs> and completely forgetting, and, 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 uh, and uh, this is what my learning is now. And, and, and again, I was just really generalizing from my own narrow-minded perspective at that time, that all women had services, which isn't true. Yeah. And yeah. also, not all people with cervixes are women, yeah. right? So, I mean, I'm still learning and learning and learning and learning. And what I feel personally right now is that it is so important that pronouns are becoming such a thing and that we're actually giving space for folks to say, well, actually, this is where I am. This is what I identify as. Uh, And it can change. Yes. Yes. I believe it's so important to be able to really open up our mind have conversations like this and also speak to people who have a completely different narrative um within queer culture and Mm. to hear what's going on rather than sitting in and and i want to give so much love to my tantric bubbles because i bloody love them they've taught me all i i really i i've healed so much through tantra and through uh sacred sexuality and the shamanic Um, realms of sexuality Mm. I feel that the influence of what's really coming to light right now or coming up to the surface right now I believe really wants to be woven into these sacred old teachings to open up the language so that all Mm. folks can access the depths of sexual healing through tantra or and, and sometimes I don't even want to use the word tantra anymore I just want to say like really connecting to sexuality in a deep deep sacred way let's open that up for everyone yes and get rid of the languaging around it
1: that is just a place, this power. Uh, yeah i what can i touch on something for a minute around this expansion of language and understanding within sexual spirituality and the power of that there are so many cultures across this wonderful planet that we're on that from where it's ancient and revered to be outside of a gender binary. And, you know, there's many groups and nations, I think, in North America and even South America that honour two-spirit people and you can look two-spirit up. And this, I will say that way back, oh, my gosh, decades ago now, the wonders of the internet back then and dial-up, but this, I came across this and it gave me so much comfort and so much safety and so much self-understanding to know that this, that ha- the things that I was feeling and the way that I was could be and has been revered. And this is, you know, I mean, I think you can look at the Zuni tribe in New Mexico and these kinds of things, but these people who existed outside of binary, trans, non-binary gender non-conforming, they were held in positions of reverence and power. And I think, and I am not part of that culture, but I just want to say that understanding that at that moment in my life as a young teenager, I think, mid-teens, it changed things for me. I was like, oh my gosh, especially because I grew up so religious in such a religious context. And it's, you know, either salvation or damnation. And I didn't fit in either right? You can't tell me I'm a child of God, God doesn't make mistakes, and I'm gay and I'm going to hell. This does not work. Also, I'm seven. What are you doing on the preacher's (laughs) pulpit? You know what I mean?
0: Uh Uh Absolutely. And Thank you so much for bringing up Two-Spirit because, I mean, again, that was something that I sent you a message about Mm -hmm. a few months ago because I had never heard of Two-Spirit. And um, I was on a really, an amazing course by a woman called Reverend Brig Feltes and it's a anti-racism course. And I would recommend that for anyone who has sat there as a healer or a coach who is really wanting to unpack their systemic racist behaviours and really understand where Mm -hmm. all that comes from and that actually, if you think that you're not racist, you are heavily racist. (laughs) When I started to pick apart all of my belief systems, I was like, holy shit. So thank Mm -hmm. you to to Brig um, Feltis, Reverend Brig Feltis, for starting to open up that journey for me. Mm -hmm. However, what I want to say is Two Spirit was brought up on that course mm-hmm. and um as somebody who hasn't moved between wondering um what I mean I, I've always been a woman, I've always felt I'm mm-hmm. she her. Mm-hmm. However, as someone who has been more fluid in my sexual preferences and have now really stood in the centre of being like I'm bisexual. Um, thank you my <laughs>
1: yeah. language applause over here
0: <laughs> in the air shaking, yes. prayer hands yes. <laughs> all the emojis popping up <laughs> yes. so for me when I, I tuned into the, the two spirit piece I think some of the things that um, that came up was that first of all it was just so refreshing to feel that there before the patriarchy, which was cis normative, heteronormative, came in, and, and really, I would say suppressed and controlled a lot of people into where they are now and perhaps considering that yes I'm a man and yes I am I, I like women and it, it really stuck that into being you know and like you're saying in, in Tasmania it was that they, they were laws that we mm-hmm. have to be that way mm-hmm. so understanding that actually there was cultures that really um held and revered folks that existed outside of the binary Mm -hmm. and celebrated that just felt like such a it was like a breath of fresh air to to hear it
1: yeah honey like honestly it changed my understanding and i mean i also want to acknowledge that what i was accessing was settler colonial histories right what i wouldn't have given to sit with someone who was already that and have those conversations it makes me emotional now because it really really changed my understanding of who I was and that I had divine presence and that I had valid presence and that I had a reason to be right and that I wasn't always going to be denied in terms of existence or how I felt or who I was and I mean yeah that I just want to I just want to offer so much gratitude that that even exists. And it's not the only cultures, Indigenous cultures even, that that these kinds of things exist within. And, yeah, I'm not a historian, but I have done, I I was, you know, I was compelled to do so much research because I was trying to find out who the fuck I was. And it really, yeah, that one touched my heart and it still touches my heart, right? It makes me really emotional and really joyful that this is in existence. So thank you for, yeah, thank you for allowing that conversation. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: I just want to take a moment to, to really see you in that remembering and Mm -hmm. something pops up for me around actually when we are shown another way of being, which touches into something that we have for since being born known is our truth and we realize that we're no longer an outsider that there is a space to actually show up and be able to express and be who we've always known we can be there's so much softness and um spaciousness and freedom that comes with that so I think I had a conversation with someone the other day and they I'm no (laughs) expert at all but they were asking me about folks that exist out of binary uh, or man woman and why we've started going into this narrative and I personally was just like well this has always been a thing it's always been a thing but the space thank goodness is opening up for people to be able to say that and there are spaces where people can safely be Mm -hmm. that Definitely not worldwide. I don't want to just be like we're all cool now because I, I don't, don't believe that to be true.
1: But. Work to that is ongoing. Yeah. At such yeah. high levels, yes. I mean, look at Poland right now, but also don't because it's really it's so damaging. But yeah, there's so much going on, but it's but it, there's hope. It's hopeful. I found it really hopeful mm. to know okay. that it exists. Yeah.
0: So, oh, good conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I would like to just give... Oh, my God, just bloody hell. I raised my hands off in the air for, for this conversation, but to also bring it back to your work as we close. Mm. And um, for folks who... Um, you're in London, but you do online pieces too. Um, what would you offer up to people as the first steps for saying yes to... Let's keep it in line with what we've been talking about, about owning pieces that perhaps you've not felt like you belong somewhere. There's there's parts of you that you're finding hard to integrate because you don't feel like you belong. What would you say are the first steps to healing and coming into a place of wholeness and being able to show up as you are?
1: This is such a big question, but I'll do my best. I think all the complexities aside, And this feels to me within the realms of really gentle shadow work, but being able to sit with only yourself and see these parts of yourself and witness them and witness why they haven't been able to expand, why they have no space, why they don't belong because it's you, and to radically accept that that is where it's at right, to just radical acceptance has been so present and powerful in my own life across the board, but to the first step, if you are aware that there are parts of yourself that are unexpressed or that you feel don't belong in your life, to first radically accept that, because that in itself, first observation and second radical acceptance will begin to shift this. And you don't need to necessarily know how, in fact, you probably won't. And this is the great mystery of healing work, is that you don't know how you're going to get there, but you've recognised where you are and you've recognised somewhere else that you want to be or some other way that you want to feel. And first, you must accept how you are now. And in that acceptance, it becomes so layered, you realise why you have experienced this, why you have cast parts of yourself aside or lost parts of them, right? And this is so much of the work that you and I do is, you know, trauma recovery and soul recovery and this kind of healing work. So radical acceptance if you're in that place where you know that there are parts of yourself that are expressed, And I just, like, I'm sending a massive, I've got my hand in my heart, sending a massive wave of love to you with this because I have also been here. I find myself here again and again sometimes but radical acceptance and it's radical for a reason mm-hmm. it's not necessarily easy
0: mm-hmm. well, thank you so much and mm-hmm. you were describing that I was just imagining the ways and when when I feel like there is a part of me that can't step in that I imagine sitting in front of all of my girls I call them my girls which are just all of the age groups of me from from zero, maybe even me as, you know, baby and womb to now. And it's like I'm a teacher sat on a chair and I'm like, who's pissed off, honey? And I look and I look across all of my girls and I'm like, oh, there you are. there's 14 year old you absolutely having a huss about something. Really, really, she's in pain. And so I'll pick her up and I'll pop her on my lap maybe not 14 year old me she donated that but I'll work with her in the way that I know she would have responded and I'm like hey what do you need um what you're saying I feel is um really about about self-acceptance in the now but supporting yourself to go into that work on in a child in a teenager in a a younger adult healing
1: absolutely and this is so radical acceptance and self-compassion and sometimes that's radical too and these are two tools that I work with so much in what I do and it's really powerful and everything moves from there if you can find acceptance for yourself and compassion for yourself then you will you this is the road to freedom this has been my road to freedom it's a way to get there yeah yeah
0: um thank you last question it's not the last but it's the last like Oh, question yeah. and then um the, the, anyway I won't talk to you about all of the questions I've got but basically hmm. second last question hmm. is if you could tell your younger self one thing about sex that you know now what would that be
1: Yeah, I think I think I would tell myself, and this feels very much like seven year old me who was experiencing sex and not knowing what it was or what to do with it. I would say, Sex is divine, and that you are worthy, and that you are, your experiences can never make you less worthy or less divine. And there is so much beauty and joy and connection to be had in this. And the road might be really rough to begin with, but you will get there. I think that's what I'd say. <laughs> Maybe seven-year-old me would be like, can you just not? Can you just <laughs> like I can't handle this? It doesn't help, right? <laughs> I think it does. I felt it in my heart, so I'm good.
0: Like Seven year old Robert received it. If he got it in the heart, he might just roll his eyes slightly, but I, I reckon that's, that's thank you, because I feel like we can all say that to our inner child right now and just um receive those words but also kind of weave them over to to our Mm -hmm. inner child so thank
1: you absolutely
0: so actual last question as we as we wrap up is to say i just want to um celebrate you and have every single person that listens to this podcast um to go and follow you and follow your work. And yeah. you are such an incredible fan. You're such an incredible healer. Mm. And um, I believe that more people who can listen to you and follow you the better. So where can folks find you?
1: Okay. On Instagram, it's just Robert Gray. and. Um... There's certainly been tiles on your page, but we can, yeah, Instagram's really easy. I think it's Robert underscore 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 gray, a lot like yours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: underscores, babes? Yeah. Nice.
1: Inspired. I was inspired. It's a serious <laughs> form of flattery. Um, and then my website is just Robert hyphen gray.com. And that will take you there and give you a bit more of a, of a flavor of how I work. It will give you testimonials. It has a really easy booking platform which at the moment I'm only doing digital sessions in London because of our lockdown. But as soon as that opens back up, I'll be releasing those in-person sessions again. Yeah, because I miss them. I love in-person. Oh, so powerful. An
0: absolute dream of a house to be doing. The, it's a sanctuary,
1: actually. The
0: mini- it really For those who are seeing this on the video, um, rather than just the audio, you will see the backdrop of Robert's amazing. He's so (laughs) tall in the way that he sets his his homes up. I love it. (laughs) And the the beauty of you doing online is that you can access every, you can, folks all over the world can access you, which is fantastic.
1: Yes. and do. And I, you know, I'm so honored and humbled by that, right? That this work can be done by assistance and also that people. Trust me enough to do it by distance. It's really powerful, it's really beautiful. You know this yourself, because this is part of the work that you do also. I mean, like,
0: right, okay. it works, it works like a charm. It works beautifully.
1: So powerful.
0: Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming in and opening up a juicy dialogue about, I mean, goodness, I'm trying to retrack about what the Dickens we talked about. There's so much, no. I'm so happy. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I will stick all the show notes, uh, how to link into Robert in um, show notes. That's what I
1: mean. I love it. A little little writer, only blue (laughs) M&M's.
0: Well, I'll get it all there so you can reach Robert very, very easily. And I love you, Robert.
1: uh, Oh, I love you too. Thank you so much, Grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Pussy. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and review and don't forget to share over on Instagram. The more and more shares we get and love we get for this podcast, the bigger the audience we can reach and support people to open their mind, bodies and soul around the relationship they have to sexuality and of course their pussy. That's it from me. I hope you have a beautiful day.